At the root, there are really two embittered worldviews that are engaged in a struggle. On the one hand, secular liberalism, and the, on the other, uh, religious conservatism. I'm sure everyone here is familiar with the Supreme Court's misguided decision earlier this year allowing the 40-foot towering Bladensburg Cross to remain on public land in Maryland. Uh, I think that if you are going to believe in God and talk about it as being the same thing as believing in your wife, then you need to provide the, the same kind of evidence. And we're also a religious success story. We have gone forth and multiplied. But now we have to stop, or it will be our downfall. In March 2001, he killed a man and ate him, along with a glass of fine red wine. A crime so bizarre, it horrified and mystified the world. I tried debating with you people, but you say, oh, God did it, and he's this magical man. He doesn't f***ing exist. He's about as real. He's even less real than Mickey's f***ing mouse. The Bible is no more proof than God exists, than a comic book is no more proof than Superman exists. Okay. Paul wrote in the Bible, God is not the author of confusion. But can you think of a single book that's caused more confusion than that Bible? Here, we look at real issues through a biblical worldview. This is episode 4 with Brian Osborne. Welcome to Worldview Clash Class. I do think, anytime you're talking about population control, if you're a pro-life person, it, it starts sounding alarms. Because again, like in China, they enacted a one-child po uh, policy, and now men outnumber women by 70 million in China and India. That's but I think for me, when you're talking about... That's because they were throwing their children away. But when you're talking about... Yeah, yeah, I, one of them disgusting. is my sister, by the way, who was left on the street at two months I'm not old. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, that's no, no, but no, no, Megan, you're, no, it's no, your point, not, though. It's yeah. to your point. It's, 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 it's scary what happens when you do but that. But this is not So you... Well, that's the thing. So you and Essie were... I believe it's a slippery slope towards that. And I do think... This dystopian hellhole, nightmarish hellscape that Democrats are putting out, that climate change is just going to end everything to the fact that we're going to have to have population control in this country seems very extreme. Climate change I don't, is real. I, I, I'm not saying it's not real. I'm saying it's not. I don't. I didn't interpret it in the same way that obviously everyone in the Democratic but Party. Saying, well, I'm not, sorry. What he's I'm saying is that women around the world, just like in this country, should have access to birth control, and uh, and. Family planning. Uh, and family yeah. planning, which and, includes abortion. And I, I, the, I know, but yeah. when you're that's a whole different thing than when you're talking about population. But it's not eugenics. Right, when AOC says we shouldn't difference. have children anymore for climate change. That is scary to people. That so just hurt. When Prince some, Harry and Princess right. Merkel only say two children. Perhaps if you could, Brian, just lay out for us, what is eugenics? Sure. So... Eugenics is an idea that uh, really caught fire after Darwin um, because it's based on evolutionary ideology. It's based on the idea that some people are better born than others. It literally means to be well born. That's literally what it means, to be well born. And the idea was simply this, that some people are better born than others. They have better genetics than others. And this caught a lot of traction in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Eugenics was uh, all over the place. It dominated college campuses, it was in higher institutions of learning around the world, it had grant money funding in every which way. And the idea was, since we know that we evolved, that was the idea, 
and that we, some people are better born than others, then we as humans, we can actually guide our own evolution. Mm. We can kind of sift the population for the traits we deem the best, and we can get rid of those people with the traits that we don't like as much. Now, eugenics, though, what it did was this, especially here in the West, it took this form. People basically argued. They said, okay, some people are better than others, and so they, those better ones should take over the population, but here was their problem. How do we get rid of the lesser thans, mm. those with the genes that weren't as good? How do we, how do we stop them from having kids? So what do we do? We can't just kill them. Now, by the way, that is what Hitler does later on. Mm. He took eugenics and applied it to the next level. Same idea, just the next step. But here was their solution before Hitler. They said, here's what we'll do. We'll sterilize the ones we deem less fit, and that way they can't have kids. And the better borns, those with the better genes, they'll take over the population. And so because of this, in the early 1900s, there were roughly 60 to 70,000 people forcibly sterilized in the United States of America. Mm. And there were different things happening throughout the West following that same ideology. Uh, I often say this, ideas have consequences. And a friend of mine says this, bad ideas have victims. Mm. And we see that again and again and again. So that's where eugenics really came from, based on the evolutionary ideology. When Hitler applied it to the next level, after Hitler most of the world then condemned eugenics mm. they said no we can't be doing that because we realize where it leads if you follow it through to its logical conclusion by the way your listeners might know this already but of course the founder of planned parenthood margaret sanger was a staunch eugenicist she was a big mover and shaker in that movement and she was actually very much a racist as well but different story for a different time so yeah, that's what eugenics is in a nutshell kind of trying to filter the human race for the favorable traits you deem the best and as it applied to their conversation, as I listened to them, um, I don't think he was directly advocating for, uh, you know, picking particular traits within humanity. But the one person had a good point when she said, but typically eugenics is implicitly biased as it tends to target minorities or those who aren't deemed worthy uh, for whatever particular reason. That was the case when eugenics was practiced here. Typically, those are the lesser traits in the early 1900s who were uh, forcibly sterilized. They were minorities. They were those who deemed not as smart or had physical deformities or stuff like that. And so it did in the past. Um, but you know what? Whether Bernie Sanders was advocating for eugenics or not, what he did plainly say was bad enough. Notice what he's saying. So there's a population problem. How do we get? How do we deal with the problem? We need to give family planning and you know, uh, this ability to abort your children to every woman around the world. And so basically put that in plain speak, how do we save the human population? Will we kill humans in their mother's wombs to save humans later on in later generations? Wow. That's their plan. And, and that is bad enough, whether it had a eugenics movement behind it or not. And, and again, if you take away all the euphemisms and all the softening of the words, you just lay it out for what it is. We murder people to save people. You can realize how logically incoherent that is. Mm. No, definitely. And definitely not biblical. Now, Thomas Malthus, are you familiar with him? Yeah, a little right. bit, yeah. He, um, his writing, his essay on overpopulation, on population control had a direct influence on Benoit Mussolini and on Adolf Hitler, like you already said. Margaret Sanger definitely was a huge fan. And I just wanted to read one of the most important, uh, what I deem to be one of the most important sections 
from his essay and just get your thoughts on yeah. that. Um, it, it's, it's going in line with what you just said, but it's a, it's a little specific. It says, All children born beyond what would be required to keep up the population to a desired level must necessarily perish unless room be made for them by the deaths of grown persons. Therefore, we should facilitate instead of foolishly and vainly endeavoring to impede the operations of nature in producing this mortality. And, if we dread the too frequent visitation of the horrid form of famine, we should encourage the other forms of destruction which we compel nature to use. Instead of recommending cleanliness to the poor, we should encourage contrary habits. In our towns, we should make the streets narrower, crowd more people into the houses, and court in the return of the plague. In the country, we should build our villages near stagnant pools, and particularly encourage settlements in all the marshy and unwholesome situations. But above all, we should reprobate specific remedies for ravaging diseases and restrain those benevolent but much mistaken men who have thought they were doing a service to mankind by projecting schemes for the total extirpation of the particular disorders. Man. Wow. Man, that's goodness. You know what? And let me just say this. He's being consistent with his worldview in a sense. In his worldview, there's nobody helping you. There's no God in control. Uh, humanity, nothing more special than a cockroach or a fern. Mm. We're just another thing that evolved over time. Why not kill millions on purpose? Why not create those inhabitable situations for those who are, who, are, who are in poverty? Why shouldn't they die so others can live? Why not do that? Because we're just rearranged ponds come anyway. Not a big deal. Uh, and there's no God to save us. we got to save ourselves. And you kind of hear that all the way through. We've got to do something. We're in control. And nothing could be further from the truth. And I, I keep thinking as I hear him say that, but how do you know all this? According to who? Mm. What great knowledge do you have to say this is what will take place and we've got to do something? How do you know this to be true? And it's all based on his thinking, his ideology, which is utterly, completely finite mm. and nothing compared to God's. And so he was wrong in his time frame, as many others have been. And you see again and again with the alarmist track record, they typically are wrong. Uh, Ehrlich, the guy I mentioned earlier, you know, he predicted in the 70s and 80s of the 1900s uh, that there'd be this worldwide famine and death. It did not happen. He was asked, I think in the 90s, what happened? How'd you, how'd you get it wrong here? What'd he say? He said, well, I was right. Just my time frame was wrong. It's going to happen a little bit later on than I thought. Oh, my right? goodness. And so it just shows the pride, the hubris, and the unwillingness to submit to the authority of God's word ultimately. And again, that's what it comes back to. And I, and I say it a lot because it's just so true. We've got to keep that in mind. If you lose how this is a foundational battle between God's word and man's, you'll miss the nature of the actual fight. And you'll talk past right other people on this issue. Take it down to the core of why we believe what we believe. And then once you get there, then use that to get to the gospel which is what changes people's foundation anyway. And so we've got to keep that in mind as we engage in all these issues. Absolutely. I love that you continue to bring it back to the gospel. That's where we need to be. I, I love that you keep doing Absolutely. that. So, Absolutely. This guy whose clip we want to just talk over with you next. I mean, this, uh, this guy's familiar with uh, your ministry, Bill Nye. And um, someone, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, he, they went toe-to-toe. He, uh, he answers this question, and the girl asks, what's the best way to handle overpopulation? So let's just hear his answer. So, yeah. Martina, what, uh, uh, 
Growing population is a problem, but notice that the rate that the population is growing, human population is growing, is slowing down. And this is almost certainly not so much a consequence of finite resources, which is what people like Malthus speculated late in the 18th century. It's not a question of finite resources, it's, it's apparently raising the standard of living of women and girls, people like you. As women and girls get better educated, they have fewer kids, and the kids they do have have more resources. So right there already, he's already oh, yeah. doing exactly what you said he was going to. He's softening up the message. He didn't say, as we destroy life. He yeah. said, as women are better and educated. Also what, well, and also, look at what's being implicitly implied there, that as they get better educated, as they lose these ridiculous fundamental beliefs and things like the Bible, they become more like me and my thinking, then they'll make better decisions and it'll lead to the world that we think is best. It's insane. It's, it's absolutely insane. Uh, That's all he's got, though. And, it, and again, I, I tell people all the time, you know, people like Bill and I, the, the, the other clips we heard, uh, I, sometimes I think we do them a disservice. A lot of these people, they're very smart. They're not mm. dumb. They're smart. They're passionate. They really have a, and they have concerns about the world they're looking at. But the reason they're so wrong is because their foundational beliefs are so wrong. Mm. And again, they're assuming the Bible's not true. They're assuming God's not in control. They're assuming we're not accountable to God. They're assuming we're not made in His image. They assume all these things that aren't biblical. Then they have a worldview built on all those wrong assumptions that gives them their wrong conclusions. Mm. And so what we have to keep in mind is. They're not dumb. They're probably smart, but they have these wrong conclusions because of the wrong assumptions they have built on the wrong foundation. Once again, I, I love that you said that because, and what ends up happening ultimately is people say, "Oh, you Christians just like to pick on all the atheists." And you know, these people are, like you said, they're very smart. They're well educated. They yes, studied these absolutely. things. There's no way that Alexander Paul stands up with all these numbers without having studied these things. So, sure. she, she, like you said, it's just where she's starting from that's the that's the issue. So uh, Bill Nye goes on to say, "So they're better taken care of, and they are more successful." So what we want to do in my world over here, in science education, is get women and girls as around the world as educated as best we can as fast as we can so that there will be more resources per, per person in the coming years. The popu world's population is almost certainly going to go to 9 billion humans. It very well may go to 10 billion and apparently the earth has enough resources for that and we just have to redistribute or reconfigure the way we use energy, water and uh, the way we distribute information. Now, did he seem surprised to you in what he said? He said, apparently, the Earth has enough yeah. resources for that. Well, that's, a, and that's also something we haven't really touched on much, but you, there's a lot more space than people tend to give the Earth credit for, uh, for us to grow in population. Uh, and so that's another part of the, the, the issue we could look at. But he admits it right there. Yeah, we've got room, we've got resources um, that we could expand, and it is out there. So I'm, I'm glad, honestly, he's being you know truthful in that, and he's willing to say, yeah, this seems to be right, even though it kind of goes against his natural position. Yeah, a little more optimistic than, than some of the others. Now, these are solvable problems, and uh, I'm excited to be working on them every day. Like, like even right now, I'm working on them. So, uh, how do we go about doing this? 
It's important to keep in mind that if somebody in Niger has five kids, the impact of each of those five kids on the world's environment is far, far less than the effect of me on the world's environment. I lived in the United States in a developed country. We use energy like crazy. We use clean water like crazy. We all have, or most of us have access to the internet. So already, at least, I mean, in the positive for sure. Bill, just you know, just giving him a pat on the back, credit where credit's due. He is offering a solution. So he's not one of these guys like uh, many people out there, like you said, alarmists, where they bring up this yep. issue, and then now we're frantic because we don't know how to deal with it. So at least even from his secular perspective, from his uh, atheist perspective, he is giving a solution. So I give him credit for that. He is trying, and that's good. I mean, that's that's a good thing. We praise God for that common grace to mm-hmm. where, even though not Christians, they still use a Christian worldview, and often, oftentimes, and they're trying to, you know, you know, fix world problems because they care about humanity, although they shouldn't in their worldview, and they care about the world, although they shouldn't in their worldview. So we're thankful for that. Um, again, I come back to a fundamental question: you know, why does he care? And foundationally, his worldview has no reason for it. And he does care, as he should. But again, he's borrowing from the Christian worldview. Mm. Uh, my environmental impact is way higher because I use... So I, I fly around in planes. I uh, got here on an electric subway train. We're on the electric computer systems right now. And so we're on electric computer systems right now. So. My effect in the environment is way higher than kids in the developing world. So, Ryan, is, is he saying that there's a moral issue that, that's being seen here? Like, is this a moral uh, issue that he's bringing up to us now? Sure. I don't want to put words in his mouth. It could be, maybe he's implying that. Maybe he's trying to do that on purpose or by accident. But there does seem to be that kind of uh, idea that's floating somewhere in the background that, you know, we as Americans or throughout the West, we use a lot more resources. Therefore, we need to figure something out. Uh, and we should be good stewards, no doubt about that. Um, but he does say, and here's my thing though. He admits, he says, yeah, hey, I flew on an airplane to get to so-and-so place. I, I rode the, you know, the subway. I'm using electricity right now. It's interesting that oftentimes those who will clamor and say, okay, we got to fight climate change and overpopulation. we got to reduce our carbon footprint. Those people are still riding planes, driving cars, using subways, using all the amenities of our, you know, if they live here in our Western culture, and yet they expect everybody else to make all the sacrifices why well they do not kind of interesting how that kind of works out um but yeah he may be implying some kind of moral uh impetus to say hey we should not be doing this or should lessen it um but again if you're if you say we should be doing something doing something morally again the question is why yeah absolutely. if there is no god and morals are if morals aren't absolute if they're just your own prerogatives then why should i care about your morals it's mm. just subjective. And why should I care about Bill's ideas? Why should I care about my ideas? It's all, it's all about you define your own truth. In a biblical worldview, we've got reasons for morality. Bill has none, not foundationally. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. He goes on a little bit. But what we want to do is not do less for people in the developed world. We want to do more for people in the developing world with less. We want to use our resources more efficiently. And that's where young people like you come in. You're studying chemistry and biology. You are going to make the changes to 
our agricultural systems, our disease management, and the way we educate your, uh, the people in your class and the people coming behind you. I'm talking about women and girls. We're going to change all that. And so I talked about this all the time. We want renewably produced, reliable electricity for everybody in the world. We want clean water for everybody in the world. And we want access to information, to the internet, for everybody in the world. Because when you provide those things, people have a chance to get educated. They have access to educational materials. They have access to good food and uh, a healthy lifestyle because they don't have to combat diseases as much. And uh, they become more productive. So it's, it's interesting, you know, and, you know, we, hey, as far as some of the stuff he said there, yeah, we want to help uh, increase the, the, the living of people across the world. Yes, we should learn how to be better stewards of the resources of this planet to God's glory and our good. So those things we could agree on. Uh, it's interesting, though, I just, I'm kind of noticing a theme again and again with all these people. And the answer so often for the secularist is education. If we can just get people educated enough, then that will solve the world's problem. Just more education, more education. And if you think about it, that's built on a fundamental premise that is anti-biblical. The idea is that, okay, we're uneducated, but we're basically good in a sense. So if we can get more educated, then we'll use our right education with our innate goodness and enact good change to the flourishing of humanity. The Bible would say this, we're inherently sinful. You educate a simple person without changing their heart, you have an educated sinner. And so they are just more educated to do their sinful ways. It doesn't mean they necessarily change the world for the good. And so there's a fundamental difference in anthropology from the secular worldview to the biblical worldview. The biblical worldview says our hearts are wicked and deceitful and evil. And they need to be transformed by our God and that'll change things from the inside out. The secularist says, no, we're innately either, you know, we're a blank slate, neutral or basically good and just educate people enough in the right way of thinking which is typically theirs and then they'll do the right things to lead to human flourishing and again either they're right or god's right and of course you know god is always right wow well let's just draw this into its its natural moral conclusion because like you said we don't want to put sure. words in anyone's mouths and i don't want to do that either right um so we hear Alexandra Paul um, in, in her full talk go on to say she's chosen to have no children. And the way that all of these people are talking, there is an ought. You know, yep. like they've chosen the appropriate way. You know, they've, they've chosen the right way. If more people did like, like I'm doing, then the world would be a better place. And these situations could be brought under control. And again, no one outright said, follow my lead. Right. So I am I am seeing the implications here. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it from that perspective. So um, yeah. uh, f- first and foremost, would you agree that there is at least a moral implication in the things that these people are saying? I, there is in a sense of, yes, so we need to care about people. We need to we need to desire human flourishing. That is a good thing. That's a that's a that's something God would have us to do to care for people, to care for the needy, to to see people do well, to prosper. That's all good. Uh, there's a need to steward our creation well. God gave mankind dominion over this planet, which doesn't mean we abuse it, but rather we use it well, and and we use it well to lead to the flourishing of humanity that glorifies God all the more. We've been given a command by God. And so, yes, there is definitely those biblical 
mandates that we can refer back to. But what the secularists do, like she and Bill and others, they'll take those truths, they'll steal them from the biblical worldview, they'll twist them a bit and use them for their own purposes, right? And so it's the, we agree with the, the, the premise, of course, we want to see human flourishing and, and, and the earth stewarded well. We disagree with the way they've taken it from the biblical worldview and they twisted it for their own purposes. And that's what happens all the time. Uh, you think about any social issue, pick your issue. Uh, what is the secular argument for abortion? Well, they argue that, he, that women are to be valued and they are to have rights. Okay, from the biblical worldview, we agree with that, of course. But why do women have rights? Why are women equal to men? Well, because they're made in the image of God. In the secular worldview, if there is no God and there are no more absolutes, why should we care what happens to women? Why should men care about women to any degree or another if they're just rearranged Ponscom? In the secular worldview, there's no reason not to oppress women. In the biblical worldview, there is. But again, they're borrowing from the biblical worldview. Or, you know, think about euthanasia. By the way, real quick, uh, population uh, control, a big part of that is also euthanasia. Abortion, euthanasia. Because euthanasia says you know, someone can choose to die when they want to. Basically, they should have control over their own death. And then in some cases, in the extreme cases, euthanasia is not only do you have a right to die, but you have a duty to die at some wow. point. At some point, you're using way too many resources and you can't give much back to society. So you have a, you have a duty to die to make room for other people. Mm. And so you can see how euthanasia can be a big part of population control. Uh, but within the with those who argue for euthanasia, what are they arguing? They're arguing that people are worthy of mercy and dignity. Mm. Well, they are worthy of those things. That's true. But why? Because people are made in the image of God that only comes with the biblical worldview. In the secular worldview, they got no reason to give dignity or mercy to people. I could keep going on and on, but you get the idea. Yeah. The passion that drives secular ideology, the things they cling to, they're actually stealing those ideas from a biblical worldview, misapplying mm. them. And if you can show that to people, say, hey, I agree with you that women matter, but let me show you why. Go back to God's word. You know, same thing with, you know, euthanasia or whatever. Um, it's a powerful way to show them that the Bible is the foundation for every right and true thing. And their worldview has no foundation for it. And the Bible is right about morality, history and salvation and use all that to get to the gospel to change wow. the heart of their thinking. Wow. So, just, just outright, I'm just gonna just gonna ask in closing here. Do believers today in 2020 have anything to worry about with the overpopulation crisis? Biblically, I think we can. I, I, we can safely say, I believe from God's word, we do not. All right, we know we're being given commands to fill the earth. We know children are a blessing from the Lord, and we know that God ends this world in his perfect timing. He is in sovereign control. There's not one maverick molecule in the universe. He's got it all under control and he's using all this to accomplish his purposes in his timing. And we can trust that. So no, overpopulation should not be our concern in light of that. What should be our concern ultimately is in what population will you live for eternity? Mm. That's the population question we really should be worried about ultimately because in the end, Every single person either spends eternity with the population in heaven through Christ alone, or you spend your eternity in the population of those in hell separated from Christ. 
Mm. And as we know, there's only one way to get to heaven. That is through Christ and Christ alone. We're all sinners. We all fall short of God's perfect standard, and we can't save ourselves because God's requirement is perfection. But that's why God came and did for us what we could never do for ourselves. God became flesh. Jesus lived a perfect life, died on the cross in our place. He took our sin and God's wrath on our behalf. He went to the grave. He rose again from the grave, defeating death. And now offers a free gift of salvation to all who will repent, turn away from their sin, and put their faith in Him. But it's only through Christ alone. As you well know, John 14, 6 says this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but by me. And that is really what we should be ultimately concerned about on any issue, but including this one. about this and other ministries of CLC Waverley, including the Pastor's Thoughts Archive and the Master's Crypt. Visit www.clcwaverley.com. Welcome to Worldview Clash Class.